Om Jnana Tvivandhasya Jnanam Jana Shalakaya Chakshurim Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Srimad Bhagavad Gita as it is Translation and commentary by Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Chapter 7, Text 21 This subject under discussion is faith This is discussed in various places in Bhagavad Gita. Shadhama Yoyam Purusha Yoyaj Chantas Eva Saham. In Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna states that everyone has some kind of faith and one is classified according to his faith. Lord Krishna classifies Sattvic faith, faith in the Lord of Goodness, Rajasic faith, faith in the Lord of Rational, Tamasic faith, faith in the Lord of Ignorance. So even the atheist, he, has, he doesn't have faith in God, but he has faith in no God. Now faith, it, it suggests not simply a a, a belief, but a whole world view, a whole outlook. When Lord Krishna speaks of faith, he's suggesting a whole outlook, the sattvic outlook, the rajasic outlook, the tamasic outlook. Modern, the modern outlook is not to have faith in anything. Don't believe in anything. One cannot be an, a modern academic in the true sense of the term and be, or in the generally accepted sense, and be a religious person in the traditional sense of the term, because religion is based on faith. And Modern academics is based on the principle or on the, on the accepted convention that no one can know anything fully and no one can know anything truly and every, whatever anyone states, it's subject to revision because someone may come up with a better theory or do some more research. In this way, they consider themselves to be very open-minded but what it comes to is a satyama pratishtante jagadahura nishvara. The demoniac conclusion that there is no ultimate basis of anything. There's no truth at the basis of anything. There's no ultimate principle because everything, everything is nebulous. So to be, one cannot be a modern scholar and be committed. Because commitment requires faith. But actually they're committed to not being committed. Because you cannot not. It's not possible not to have faith. One, everyone has faith in something. When we walk on the road, we have, we, we have faith that the ground in front will support us. It's not, it, it, it might be that someone just puts some paper which looks like a pavement and there's a big hole underneath. You don't know. But you have faith that 
double up. No, when we eat, you walk into a restaurant and you order. I don't know what they eat here. I don't want to think about it. But anyway, the faith that is not, uh, it's not got uh, cyanide, potassium cyanide in it. It has, it has milder poisons, but not, it's not gross poison. Someone hasn't poisoned it to kill you. So everyone has faith. And even if someone says, I don't believe in anything, then you can just ask him, do you believe what you just said? Say no He's covered. If he says yes, then he contradicts himself. And if he says no, then his statement is untrue. <laughs> so you can't avoid. Everyone has faith in something, even in the mode of ignorance, in which there's no real thinking. It's just, it's just there's no philosophical endeavor. It's practically animal life. But then he has faith in his own delusions and illusions. Everyone has some kind of faith or outlook. And here Lord Krishna is speaking about achala, achala Unmoving faith. Achala. This doesn't move very strong faith. Now, why this modern, mundane, academic, nebulous approach? They don't want to place faith in death. They don't want to place, place, place faith in any absolute principle. Why does that come about? Well, one reason is because they see that faith is a very... Uh, it's a very motivating factor. It is, it is here in the modern management lingo. They talk about motivating people. So, religion is a great motivator. God Jesus spoke about faith that can move mountains. And we see that due to faith in Jesus. So many people have, or not actually faith in Jesus, but a misplaced faith in Jesus. People have marched toward the crusades, marched toward to liberate the Holy Land from the infidels. As far as the infidels, the Muslims are concerned, the Christians and the Kafirs. Then, so that's their so they're, they're both fighting. There's a great faith. We have to fight for the faith, for the true faith. They're both fighting for what they consider to be the true faith, and they consider the other side to be the wrong side. So it's, it's faith. It's, if it's misplaced, it can spoil your life. It will spoil your life. In more recent times, we have the spectacular example of people flying airplanes into skyscraper buildings with the intention of destroying them with the faith that they are committing a very pious activity and that they will be benefited by doing so because 
they are doing this pious act of killing the infidels, they will go to heaven and enjoy themselves. They have faith in them. They must they have firm faith in them. Otherwise, how could they do it? Of course, such a such an activity is classified as an activity for the Lord of ignorance. So we can't expect any auspicious result from that. But they have faith that what they're doing is good, it's ordained by Allah, and we will get rewarded for doing so. So, how do they have such strong faith? Dangerous faith in the wrong thing. Those who also say don't have faith in any absolute principle, they also have faith in the wrong thing. They say don't have faith, but they have, they have faith in not having faith. They have faith in the academic method. That this is the, they have faith that this is the proper approach to understanding things. By this, what they Considered to be the, the objective academic method, although actually it's not objective because it places human intelligence as the arbitrator of all knowledge. So they they also have faith in the in the ability of the human intelligence, but, but they don't consider where this intelligence has come from. That there, that there should be an ultimate principle behind empathy. They have, they believe in not having faith in an ultimate principle, which is, as I described, asatyama pratishtanta. Those, those who believe in no ultimate principle, they're described as demons in Bhagavad Gita. This comes in the description of the demons. So, it appears to them that they are very intelligent and they have reached pinnacle of human intelligence after so many hundreds of so many centuries of ignorance in which people believed in such stupid things as this is how they perceive it as God or well, that human society has developed now and now we are more intelligent. And we know how to understand empathy by our own intelligence. Of course, their society is a total disaster. But in the newspapers, in the magazines, and the TV, they keep on pumping us the illusion that actually everything's okay. All you need is to work a bit harder and get some more money and buy a new car, and then everything will be okay. It's the same nonsense that's being pumped again and again and again. So everyone has some kind of faith. And we also have faith. The Mogis and Krishna also have faith. And we are enjoying to have that faith. Krishna consciousness means faith. Shadha, Shande, Vishwas, Sudhuda, Mischa, Krishna, Bhakti, Kaila, Svaraka, Kritam. Faith in Krishna consciousness means to have the firm conviction that by serving Krishna, all our best interests will be served. There's no need.
need to do anything else. There's no need to do anything else, and to do anything else is positively harmful. It's against our real self-interest. So this faith is required. But we are enjoined not to have blind faith. We don't come and smash people. In. You have to believe the Bhagavad Gita. Why? Lord Krishna himself explains to Arjuna why we should accept this knowledge. That evam parampara praptam this knowledge is received in a chain of perfect spiritual authorities. Krishna, Krishna takes the trouble to explain it to Arjuna. He doesn't, he doesn't just tell Arjuna, oh, Arjuna, I'm God. I'm telling you what to do it. You better do it. Otherwise, I'll throw you into hell. He didn't just say that. But he explains to him the detail. Because Arjuna is a thinking person. Krishna doesn't want robot-like people who just follow him out of fear or out of some some promise of sense gratification. Yesterday we were talking about the jiva's independence. Srila Prabhupada also talks about this in this part. That we have independence. We are to, we, to come to our proper position. We have to ex, we have to Execute our independence intelligently. If we just say, just follow this, because Krishna said, and someone said, well, no, Atta said in the Quran, and then if there's no use of intelligence to understand, then we become fanatics. Then someone can come along and tell us that. If we don't try to understand intelligently, then our understanding or our faith will, ipso facto, be unintelligent. And therefore we will subscribe. We are uh, good targets for becoming captured by foolish ideas. Just like uh, you know, the whole of Western civilization has developed on the faith that uh, the cause of all human suffering is because someone long ago ate an apple. This is bizarre. But people have faith in it. And therefore, the, the enlightenment was when they realized that, well, Probably wasn't because they had someone had an apple, and then they tried, but they don't they 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 were enlightened enough not to believe in the the apple an apple eating is the cause of all suffering. But then they uh, not having any real philosophy or theology, they just threw all they threw out all philosophy, uh, religious philosophy. They threw out religion. They threw out the method of having faith in the transcendental because they never knew what it was. They never, they, they've never had transcendental religion. All they've had is believe in God and you'll enjoy it. And if you don't, you'll go to hell forever. It's, it's the, 
It's the way uh, one may speak to a child. But even if you train a child like that, you can't expect a very you grow to be a very good person if you don't explain to children why you should do what you should do. You just say, do this, and I'll give you a sweet. And if you don't do it, I'll slap you. But you can't expect that the child will grow up to be a very, to use another buzzword, psychologically balanced person, or thoughtful person, or even a person capable of making intelligent decisions. It's not intelligent. So Lord Krishna is explaining here in Bhagavad Gita and in, in more detail in the 11th canto of Bhagavatam to Uddhav, he speaks the same matters in greater detail. That we, can, and we don't just say as a matter of fanaticism that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Even the term Supreme Personality of Godhead is much, a much more developed term than simply saying God. There's so much import to the term Supreme Personality of Godhead. But we have to, uh, we were enjoined to understand this. Anviyadviyati reikabhyam yatsyat sarvatra sarvada We are enjoined directly and indirectly how Krishna is the Supreme Lord in all situations, in all times, places, and circumstances, directly and indirectly, he is the supreme controller. So we are enjoined to understand this with intelligent faith. There is also unintelligent faith, by which we believe something which is actually not true, but we are convinced that it is true. Here it is mentioned Lord Krishna is speaking about worshippers and demigods who believe that the goal of life is to enjoy material life and they have faith that the demigods can award them material happiness, which is true. They can. Uh, in the fourth chapter, what Krishna says. That, uh, what is it? Shiprami Maanashay Logan Siddhi Bhavati Kavraj. What's the first line of that verse? That people, they worship desiring material enjoyment, people worship the demigods, and they get results. They get the result of material happiness. It works. And when it works, people have faith. But, Lord Krishna is pointing out the result of this. He says here in the verse previous, verse 20, verse previous to the verse we read today, karma is that impelled by material desires to spoil the intelligence. People worship demigods. Why is that spoiled intelligence? that they get only a temporary result. And that material enjoyment, as Lord Krishna elsewhere explains, it is 
यही संस्पर्श जहां होगा दुख लोने के आनंद बंध
How to how to view the world. The whole presentation of Krishna consciousness is actually very reasonable. This is a modern term. Not exactly modern, but a term that's considered very important. In the modern age, things should be reasonable. It's, it is actually the only reasonable proposition. The proposition to enjoy this material world in any way, or the proposition to not be Krishna conscious, is unreasonable. It is opaswata parayana. It means to be attached to that which is against our real self-interest. <coughs> but people, they, they either presume it to be some kind of wrong religion. We've got the right religion, you know, and everything else must be wrong. Or they presume it to be, if they're not religious, they presume it's something like those blind faith religions and they think, or, or, they, or a modern cult, and in their mind it's already rejected. Oh, religion? No, I, I'm not religious. Or Christian conscious, I, I'm already Lutheran, or whatever it is. So they, they already have their patterns set. Doubt is, we're talking about faith, but to be doubtful is good. To be doubtful in that which is not correct is good. If one is doubtful, it's good. If one is pious, if one is doubtful and Impious, then he comes under the category. Gita, uh, Lord Krishna describes Raga Bhaya Krodha. Gita Raga Bhaya Krodha Vandayama Uparshita Bhavogyana Tamasa Putaman Bhavagata Being freed of attachment, fear and anger. Many persons in the past became purified by austerity and by knowledge of me, and thus they came to me. So, if one is doubtful about the prospect of, of the supreme reality being good, then he became, then he's angry, he becomes angry. No, we reject any idea of God. So, one may be if one's faith or outlook is formed by uh, strong attachment to this material world or fear of, of uh, any personal God, either one is a, a karmic one is attached to this material world as Raga, Bhaya, he is a Gyani, or, or seeking them to be impersonal absolute. They're, af- they're afraid of material life. They're afraid also of, of surrendering to any God. Or Kroda, they're just against everything. We don't believe. Material world is useless and religion is useless and everything is useless. So if one is freed from all these outlooks, if one is a pious person and doubtful, if one is simply doubtful, no, I don't believe it. I don't believe in all these different things. 
then that is a, then one becomes a skeptic. As Prabhupada said, skepticism is rascalism. One should have, if one is pious, then he sees that this material world is miserable, and he seeks for that. For the, he has faith that the, ultimately the ultimate principle is good, that goodness must be supreme. Otherwise, he becomes a neo-Nazi, something like a drug addict. They, they seek shelter in, in violence, intoxication. This is in the mode of ignorance. But if one is seeking the truth, such persons are rare. If one is seeking the truth, then the doubt in in anything which is perceived not as the truth, leads one to the truth. That is called sincerity. Sincerity means that one is aspiring to find the ultimate truth and is not satisfied with anything else. Then he won't take my faith. Believe in Jesus. Follow the Bible or you go to hell. You say, well, that's Muslims told me also, just to change the words a little bit. Follow the Quran. Otherwise you go to hell. And then you follow the Quran, but there's the Shias and Sunnis and in Christianity there's Protestants, Catholics, Orthodox, and they're also broken up into so many different groups. And then you and then you and even if I go to any of these groups I see that they and they say believe in God, but they spend the, the, it, it's just lip service. At best, once a week on Sunday. Uh, even there have been very serious practitioners of Christianity going to the desert and doing austerities and this and that. But what, again, what is their understanding? What are they doing it for? If you, do, if you don't understand who is God, then you are your sacrifice or your endeavor to seek. For first you should know where you're going. Then you, you may be very sincerely dedicating your life, but what for? There should be some clear direction where we're going, what we're doing. So the philosophy should be perfect. The process should be perfect. That, we, that is there in Krishna consciousness. Therefore we should accept. We shouldn't accept uh, we shouldn't encourage people to come to Krishna consciousness simply on sentiment. Some sentiment must be there. Sentiment means feeling. There must be feeling for Krishna. Unless there's some feeling, then it just becomes academic. That is not Krishna consciousness. Feeling must be there. But it, the, the basis must be there. That one should not be lazy in understanding the actual fact. Siddhanta. Because by understanding, understanding means not by one's own mentally speculated processes, but through guru, sadhu, and shastra. Then one's mind becomes firmly attached to Krishna. <coughs> Difficulty is there in preaching because people are strongly attached to the wrong thing. They, we, in 
traditional Indian culture, there was a tradition of scholarship and debate. And the Brahmins were very learned. And they would debate. And there were rules of debate. So if one defeated another, then that who is defeated had to become his disciple. Even if he's a guru himself, he had to. If he's defeated, he has to give up what he believed before and follow. Become a disciple. With his disciple. That's how Shankaracharya, Mangracharya, Ramanujacharya, they traveled all over India. And they made many disciples. They engaged in debate. And the Shankaracharya, he, he, he met with so many Veda Pantis, this Karma Kanda, the, the, the following Karma Kanda, and he convinced and he made them Karma Kanda means they had Grihastas, and he'd take them out. Now you take Sanyas, because Brahma Satyam Jagam Nitya. You, you, now you can. For him, spiritual life begins when you take sannyas. So like this, and Ramanujacharya, Mahaprabhu, he didn't engage in debate much, but with those who were highly scholarly, he did also. So, but nowadays you see, uh, there's this kind of neo-mayavad spread all over the world, and, and the modern educational system Although they purport to teach or, or to make people intelligent, actually makes people very foolish because it, it completely, the modern educational system combined with the, the TV and the press and the whole modern ethos, it completely destroys the tendency even to ask the right questions. What is the purpose of life? And it completely destroys the tendency to believe in it in the higher principle, in the Supreme Personality of God. And it is by, by giving intoxication and promoting sex and all kinds of sense gratification and making it so difficult to live in this world in so many ways, they make people think that the goal of life is simply to survive and enjoy so um, most people are, are like struggling economically for enjoyment and in this Scandinavian socialistic country there, there's an arrangement whereby everyone is living but you see everyone is they're very complacent and puffed up you can just see the way the people walk on the street everything's okay I'm okay no, I don't need any God or religion or any such. I'm in charge. I'm doing So various kinds of illusion are being propagated and we find that it's very, it's actually very difficult to have an intelligent discussion about the nature of reality with anyone, even with so-called intelligent people, even with so-called highly educated people. They can't think clearly. Either they, either they think that that everything has to be understood. They, they have a paradigm because everything has the so-called 
highly educated people. They consider that everything has to be weighed in the terms of empiric experience and the, everything has to be understood in terms of what previous scholars have said and they're looking at you giving you, giving you a psychological analysis while they're discussing with you that this is, this is a religious person so he's already, he's already gone. <laughs> we can't expect anything actually intelligent from him. They've already put you through their filter. But that filter is a protection from anything even beginning to surrender to Krishna or beginning to, to uh, accept that there can be anything beyond their atheistic, so-called liberal objective paradigm. So we, we find that even so-called intelligent people, that they have faith in in uh, that which is not very intelligent at all. Recently, one uh, scientist who Lamitinath was telling me, Dawkins, I think, he, he's brought out a thesis that there's, in the history of the evolution of the human race, there was a gene produced, which is like a wrong gene, and it's, it keeps on reproducing in the human in the, it's causing chaos in human society. It's called a belief in God gene. And it keeps on reproducing. And so due to this defect in evolution, people, he hasn't identified what is the gene or where it is. Or, but it's just it's his theory. But, it, but it's, it's really clutching at straws, isn't it? You know that saying, clutching at straws? When, you, when someone is drowning... He sees a, a straw. He's underwater. He sees a straw floating on the surface, and he grabs it as some kind of. If it was a big stick, he could pull himself up, but a straw can't help you. So, clutching at straws is an English saying, which means that when you're completely hopeless, you're in a completely hopeless position. You you try to uh, you try to do something which is actually useless. It's it. So, this is being pro propagated as science. There's, there's a, like a gene, a religious gene which has been reproducing in human society, in the human genetic system. Which, uh, which gene? Whereabouts? What's what, once it's structured, no such thing, just total fabrication is being promoted as science. And even this uh, intelligence, this, this is a big thing going on in science. You know, the whole basis of Darwinism is being shaken by intelligent design theory, which Prabhupada actually uh, he promoted that and he wanted our devotees to push, but it's unfortunately. Well, it's good that it's being promoted. There's this whole controversy in science, evolutionary theories getting roasted by intelligent design theory, which actually means belief in God. But the, the unfortunate thing is it's being promoted by Christians who, when, okay, when intelligent design theory becomes accepted, if someone is to accept it, then, then you come to Christian theology, which is the whole reason that Christianity was rejected in the first place, because the theology is so 
I had so weak and so childish. Well, of course, it wasn't just their theology, but but their uh, their rejection of their rejection of Copernicus and Galileo said, "Well, actually, he was right." <laughs> so it it was seen. It was thought to have been seen that actually what what the, what the church. Authorities say, supposed to be based on the Bible, is uh, the, the church's teachings on astronomy are wrong. It can be empirically observed. So, uh, anyway, the point here is that. Even people may be very intelligent materially, but spiritually, people can't follow. Even it's very difficult to discuss with many people because they have such preconceptions. Just in, in Copenhagen two nights ago, there was afterwards I learned the man was a doctor, Indian man who's coming and he's he was saying, "Well, I don't think we should criticize." And I, I told him that well, if you criticize criticizing, then you're criticizing Krishna, because he criticized. He said, "Well, I, I don't find the Bhagavad Gita Lord Krishna criticizes anyone." So I, I quoted a few shlokas, <laughs> and uh, then the, and he still the one who accepted. And then I, I gave the book to him and I asked him to read it out. So he read Namaangushkrita and he said, "Well, I don't think he's really criticizing anyone in particular." He just couldn't accept because he had this preconception that, even though he's a very intelligent man, philosophically he was foolish. He didn't want to surrender to what Krishna said, and Krishna says, "Namangdesh Krishna, what such a person is either a Buddha." So, he thought he was being very good by not criticizing anyone, but by by taking that stance, he was actually criticizing Krishna. But it's uh, because of spoiled intelligence, people think they're being very good. Well, we should just accept all theories and be nice to everyone, and it seems very good, but it's philosophically untenable. By that, we should accept Hitler also very good. We should kill all the Jews. The good say no, 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 not that. But then you, that means if you don't accept that, if you say we should accept all theories, but you don't accept Hitler, that means at some point you have to draw a line that we don't accept this. And so. Where do you draw the line? It's just a question of where you draw the line. You say, well, every this, this uh, Mahatma Gandhi, he was he was being fair. Let's be fair. That after India was cut up into India and Pakistan, then all the money and all the weapons were all in India, and the Indians said, great. And Muhammad Ali said, "No, we should give them money. 
and give them their fair share of their weapons. So they gave it to them because they respected Mahatma Gandhi. And they, they got it, they organized themselves and attacked India. So his so-called being fair resulted in the killing of so many people. It's give weapons to people who consider themselves your enemy because we should be fair. Is it a good idea? Actually, in the Kshatriya fighting codes, you might do so. But these people, they're not fighting according to Kshatriya fighting codes. Anyway, it's just an example that uh, the, the, the concept, the, the words justice, fairness, liberality, open-mindedness, these are used, but but no clear understanding. Yes, we also, liberality, yes, we should be very liberal, we should give Hare Krishna Mantra to everyone, but there's a limit. We're not so liberal that we say you can eat meat and fish and eggs and Chana Hare Krishna, it's, it's okay, everything's okay. And we're not so liberal that we say, well, you chant Hare Krishna, you don't chant Hare Krishna, it's all the same. There, there, there are declined limits according to Shastra. So we are liberal, we are open-minded, we are willing to, uh, we are willing to accept that we, we don't just judge without listening to others. That if, if someone is said to in doing something wrong, then we can listen and we should hear the others. But there are limits, and those limits are given by God Himself, by Shastra. So people call this thing very conservative. When Allen Ginsberg, the poet who was actually like Prabhupada and he liked to chant Hare Krishna, he also liked to smoke marijuana, and he also liked to. Uh, have sexual relationships with other men. So when he said to Prabhupada that you are very conservative because Prabhupada uh, he doesn't he Prabhupada went among the hippies who every one of them without exception was smoking marijuana hashish and Prabhupada said no and they believed in free sex and Prabhupada said no so Alan Ginsberg said, Swamiji, you are very conservative. Prabhupada was surprised that he said, why conservative? I'm very liberal. I'm coming among you. <laughs> That's liberal, isn't it? He said, if I was conservative, I couldn't stay here for a moment. Because he was thinking of his godbrothers in India who they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't go among such people because they 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 want to maintain their purity. So Prabhupada, he was surprised. So, yeah, the people have found faith in the wrong thing. That faith is given by Krishna. We have to change these preachers. Our mission is to change that. So, it won't. We want to establish if it's, or if we are to establish Krishna consciousness in the world, it has to be on the basis of Bhagavad Gita as it is. There's no Krishna consciousness without Bhagavad Gita as it is. That means 
an intelligent understanding of the principles of bhakti, which is way above. I mean, even you, you, you talk about interfaith and all this, but Bhagavad Gita, I mean, if we compare to, we, we won't say this very publicly, at least among ourselves, we should clearly understand. If we compare to Bible or Quran or any of these things, it's just not in the same class. And we shouldn't say that without reading Bhagavad Gita, that, yeah, then we become then we become blind religion just like those who purport to follow the Bible yeah the Bible is they don't consider intelligent they don't they don't try to understand the intelligent they accept it blindly so we shouldn't accept it intelligently we should understand that here is knowledge of God who is God there's no they say in the, in the Bible to believe in God, but this, but what? Believe in what? Exactly. Well, not much to believe in. <laughs> so it's difficult to believe in something that you don't know very much about. You've all, you've heard, you've all heard of um, Joseph Davis? You know, you never heard of Joseph Davis? Well, if I ask you to believe in Joseph Davis, what do you think about him? What's your opinion about him? It'd be pretty difficult because you know you don't know anything about him. So if I tell you, well, believe in God, well, what's what? What, what, what is it? Well, he's supreme. How is he supreme? What does that mean to be supreme? Well, he's just supreme. What does it mean? Well, you just believe. Otherwise, you. Go to hell and burn forever. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you don't know anything about him. Just, just you hear some name, and how are you going to? Believe? What kind of belief is? I want to speak of love. How, how, how many of you have great feelings of love for Joseph David? I just made up the name. Then there must be someone called Joseph David. If you just wake up and say, you should all love Joseph Davis. You don't know anything about him. Then how are you going to love him? Love based on qualities and interaction. But if you don't know anything about him except that he's some kind of angry old guy who's sitting up on a cloud somewhere throwing thunderbolts down and throwing people into hell. What kind of love is that anyway? How can you love such a person? So if you don't know about him, if, you, if there's no method for developing your relationship, then where is... What's the question of love? What does it mean, love? We can discuss this for Coming out, except air. So, how to bring people to this intelligent platform? Well, we shouldn't give up the intelligent platform because people are unintelligent. We should go on preaching intelligently to raise people to that platform. It is possible. I mean, you've all come. So, but 
alongside with that, faith, initial faith, will be um, generated by seeing the devotees, the devotee, how they live. In 30 years after Srila Prabhupada departed, or about 40 years after his preaching mission began, perceptions of the Hare Krishna movement generally all over the world has changed. In the beginning it was considered with a lot of suspicion, but it seems more and more all over the world that people in general, they, although they don't really know what spiritual means, but they perceive us as something spiritual. And they perceive us as being something sincere and different. Exactly why? Well, one reason is that we've been there for so many years doing the same thing. And the chanting is definitely other, the street chanting is definitely something otherworldly. It's not anything of this world. And the fact that we're, we're vegetarians and no, just the fact that we're so different means that we are committed to something not of this world. Of course, there is a kind of feeling among some of our, some devotees or some streams of devotees in our rooms that we should just try to be normal and then people would accept us. But then, normal in terms of modern society, but then what is there to accept? If we're like them, then we do that. What we have to offer is something different. So we're being the same as them, we cease to offer what we have to give. So the fact that we are different, uh, that makes an impression on people. That there's something, people are committed here to something which they can understand. We're committed to a higher principle. We're not gross materials. Gross if we even if we dress as we do, but we give an impression of being grossly materialistic, then people won't accept that. Especially in these Protestant countries, if the sadhus live like kings, people, they won't like that. They, they, they will reject that. If they, if they are seen to be living a very opulent and indulgent life, that their whole Protestantism came up as a protest against the indulgence in luxury of the, the Catholic authorities. So that's deeply in the culture, isn't it? In, this, in the Protestant countries, the people, they don't like people, they, they think that religion, that's the Puritan ethic, or Lutheran ethic, that one to be spiritual, you, are, you have to be very austere and non-indulgent. Actually, it's not necessarily true, but people think like that. And a devotee, if required, he can live in luxury, if required for preaching. But anyway, by Krishna's arrangement, at least in this country, there's no big opulence. And devotees, for themselves, they're not inclined toward that anyway. And if I'm just saying that faith, 
How can people understand this philosophy of Bhagavad Gita? It begins with faith, by which they can begin to hear from devotees. So some devotees say, well, we should live like normal people, dress like them, and act like them in many ways, try to hide our difference, and then they'll hear us better. But uh, actually no one listens to anyone else. So they might uh, listen to us means they'll listen on their own terms, but if they want to, their own terms, which means that there's there's a there's an ethic in modern not an ethic or a principle that against proselytization. We don't this word proselytization. We don't people don't like that. That you should try to convert me. But uh, so, so you can dress normal, and then maybe you can talk to people, but in superficial. Normal people are superficial. So maybe you can talk to them more easily, but in a superficial way. But if, if, we, are, if we clearly show the difference and live the difference, then people who are genuinely looking for something different, they will be more inclined to come to us and at least hear us when they see that we have found something that is apparent from our whole way of life, from the devotees' happiness. I was very struck by that when I first came to the temple, that these people are so happy, even though they don't have anything materially which would make one happy. It's freezing cold, snowing, there's no heating, there's this big building donated by George Harrison. They don't have money to heat it, so it's freezing cold, but they're so happy. Why? They've got something which is not material. They've obtained something substantial. So faith is generated by going on with what we're doing. These sacred activities. There's, there's lots of talk of the alternative preaching, this kind of preaching, that kind of preaching, but the process that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave is very powerful. And we shouldn't think that because many people don't appear to be interested in Krishna consciousness, not having its effect. having its effect. Regularly going on, having on, going out year after year, distributing these books, distributing prasadam, having programs in which we present Krishna consciousness, all has its effect. And I've seen, of course I'm mostly based in India, Bangladesh, all these countries, but I've seen many people now who are like 20, 25 years old, and they said, oh, I remember when I was five years old and my mother took me to this temple. I've met quite a few devotees who were, I visited their village in Bangladesh when they were a little child. They remember that. They said, oh, I first saw you 20 years ago. You came to our village. It creates faith to just do the things that we're supposed to do. It creates faith. Not only creates faith, but it this purifies the consciousness of people. When they come in contact with devotees, it, it's purified. So, 
actually, even though our movement in many ways may appear to be struggling and not going very far personally, I feel that this movement could it could become very big very quickly because people all over the world are frustrated with the modern way of life and many people they're not seeking now but if 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 just the difficulties could if it's just tweaked up a bit. People are feeling a little complete. Maybe it's just tweaked up a bit. And many, many people would be looking for something different. They know the whole society is cheating. They know this Bush and Blair, they're just liars and they're sending people to be slaughtered. And they know the whole advertising industry, the food they give you is all poisoning you. And they know the whole society is cheating and you don't have to. You don't have to make a big case for that. A few years ago, in London, at the, after the Rathiatra in Trafalgar Square, it's a famous place in London, they had a, I was at the questions and answers booth, so there's all these just people off the street, you know, they, they want to shoot, it's like shoot the swami, you know, they, they shoot their questions and trying to catch you out and show that they're more intelligent than you. So I went on with this for about an hour, and then I just kind of lost my temper. All you people, you think you're very intelligent, but you know nothing about the actual purpose of life. You've simply—I went on for I spoke for about five minutes. I said, "You've simply been—you think you're intelligent, but you—your intelligence is based on the educational system, which has simply cheated you. The educational system is cheating you. The whole society is cheating you. The newspapers are cheating you. The TV is cheating you." I went on like that for about five minutes and I stopped and I was <laughs> And then one man said, He's right. <laughs> and someone else said, Say something more. <laughs> so, and these are people who just a few minutes ago were just about like trying to shoot me down. What's wrong with smoking? <laughs> I said to someone, you shouldn't smoke it. What? what, what he wanted to, you know, he knew he shouldn't be smoking, but he deliberately wanted to do it, to just to, you know, he thought that I, I'm going to disturb and see how he reacts, you know, if you swore, sat, the, the monk, they should just tolerate everything. And they wanted to, they wanted to show that, you know, we're, we're getting disturbed and this and that. But if it's presented clearly, people can accept there's actually tremendous scope for spreading Christian consciousness. I feel it could spread. Very, very many people can accept it. If we, do, if we continue with the things we're doing. And when I'm saying it's difficult to convince people because they have preconceptions, it's also not impossible and we shouldn't stop trying to do so. At least people, by speaking to them, it's not that everyone's just going to change overnight. But at least we can uh, put some idea in their head that what, by, by speaking with people, by presenting the philosophy to them, at whatever level they're ready to accept, or, or they can begin to understand, which is usually a very low level, 
gifts I can understand anything. Prabhupada was always teaching, you're not the body, you're not the body, you're not the body. And then you find, you know, like these intelligent, so-called intelligent people coming and they just, you know, they just, they can't get it. But Prabhupada went on trying. And he set the example for us. That at least people can start to think. And actually by distributing these books, it makes its effect also. Because these books are very powerful. And people, the more we distribute these books, the more people can can begin to understand what is the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, what is reality. I've seen that very clearly in India, that when we when I first went there, the preaching was so tough, because everyone you spoke to was a Mayavadi. As soon as you start to speak about personal God, and you know, just, oh, it's changed now. You can nowadays you can openly say that all this idea of all oneness and it's all bogus. You can say it. It's it's it's, it's changed a lot. The whole outlook. And I ascribe that to the fact that we've distributed literally millions of Prabhupada Bhagavad Gita's in India. It's having its effect. So that that faith which is unshakable that is given by Krishna. Because everyone has to believe in something. Everyone has to live their life according to some kind of matrix. Intellectual matrix. It's not actually intellectual, but... Uh, well, it's intellectual and it's not. It, it means it's formed in the intellect, although it's... For most people, they don't really think about what is right. What is my faith? What is my philosophy of life? But everyone has a philosophy of life, even if they don't themselves clearly define what it is or, or why it is. Everyone has some axioms that they accept in their life. <coughs> they accept it as axioms, even if it's wrong. So Krishna gives that faith. But Krishna wants everyone to have faith in him. And he helps the devotee who preaches Krishna consciousness. The, the, the desire of the devotee to implant Krishna consciousness in others. Krishna is the super soul. Reciprocates with that. And if we sincerely try to give the message of Krishna consciousness, then people will accept it. There will be benefit. At the very least, there will be benefit. If they don't accept it now, they might accept it later. Maybe in another life, they will be benefited. So preaching means we have to try. Prabhupada, he preached to literally thousands of people. Not everyone accepted what he said. But he went on trying. And even in the beginning of Prabhupada's preaching mission, I mean, he was preaching in his householder life also, but especially, we can say, after he left home. He didn't leave home just to become a, a, a reclusive sadhana, but he left home to preach Krishna consciousness. So, he was trying so hard in India. He was the same. Bhaktivedanta Swami, even before he took sannyasa, he was the same person. 
went on trying, went on trying, went on trying. There were so many setbacks and reversals and it didn't seem he was making any progress. But he kept on trying, kept on trying, kept on trying. And eventually, the whole question of consciousness moment expanded. So our duty is to keep on trying and by Krishna's grace, some, if we stick to the principles of Bhagavad Gita as it is, we're seeing some good results. People are coming. So, people have faith in the wrong thing, but even though it's intellectually untenable, but that faith can change. If they're presented with something better, they may not understand it intellectually. Krishna consciousness is not accepted only by the intellect. Swai Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he didn't, he debated with big scholars, but mostly he chanted Hare Krishna distributors. And then, or along with that, he would give teaching there, Bhaja Krishna, Bolo Krishna, Karo Krishna, Shikha. He would ask people to chant the holy names and understand the teachings of Krishna consciousness. That doesn't have to be in a very elaborate, intellectual manner for everyone, but everyone should who comes to Krishna consciousness, they should understand this philosophy of Bhagavad Gita as it is, which is actually, it's far more elevated than anything spoken. The schools and colleges or even the churches. So everyone is expected to apply themselves to understand this, but it's, it's, not, only, it's not only by philosophy, because one cannot understand this philosophy without the grace of Krishna. Whatever we believe, even if we firmly believe that there is no such person as Krishna, the ability to believe that comes from Krishna. And when we get his true mercy, then we can understand him as he is. When one gets a drop of mercy, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then one can understand Him. Otherwise, by one's own effort in seeking the Absolute Truth, one cannot understand Him even in millions of years of trying. So, devotees distribute merciful representatives. They distribute holy names, they distribute books of Srinu Prabhupada, they distribute prasad. And in this way, people are purified. Even they have no idea what's going on. And an atmosphere is created which people can begin to take to Krishna consciousness. Hare Krishna, is there any question about this? Maharaj, you told that in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna gives reason, philosophic reasoning, why Arjuna should believe in what he's saying. So can you clarify this? I said that in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna gives philosophical understanding of why Arjuna should accept what Krishna says. Can I clarify this? Bhagavad Gita is a philosophical exposition, isn't it? 
Krishna explains that uh, well, what, what are the five subjects matters of Bhagavad Gita? Ishvara, Kala, Prakriti, Jiva, and Karma. So all of these, how they interact with each other are explained. The position of Ishvara in relationship to Kala, Karma, Prakriti, Kala, Karma, Prakriti, and Jiva is explained. So that's philosophy, isn't it? Anything else? All right, then, we'll finish. Thank you for listening. It's probably very austere to listen to this frog-like croaking.